0: Welcome back this is a very special episode of Unleashed and Unhinged with of course myself in Shivers but we've got my partner in crime Dominic home with us today from Canine Caregivers and we'll be breaking down all kinds of things as time goes on together for these little bonus episodes. If you want to learn more go to caninecaregivers.com.au and you'll see all of our resources right there but let's just dive straight into the episode. going to be talking about getting something that we hear, I hear all the time, I'm pretty sure you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, people coming up with the idea that they've got, they've already got a dog that's got behavioural concerns, issues, problems, and they go, do you think getting a second dog would fix it?
1: It's like, let's have a second child to fix the marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where my brain goes. It's like,
0: it's not always a great idea. It's very rarely a good idea. <laughs> what are the main. Um, there are times, don't get me wrong, there's actually been times where I'm like, do you know what I'll fix that? Second so got Always premised with something else, but we'll come onto that later. <laughs> but what are the main things that you see people try to resolve?
1: Separation anxiety. Yeah. It's a main one. I've never had a client that has thought of getting a second world to fix any other problem by separation.
0: I've had one. Um, I've had more than one with dog aggression. Interesting. Yeah. So my dog's aggressive, to so the dogs should go get another dog. It's not... Not for, not for me.
1: <laughs> it's not my jam. <laughs> it's... I, uh... well, I wonder what the thinking behind that is. You know, I mean... You know, people are only doing what they can with the information they have and they want to do the best for their dog. So they're not coming from any other place but, you know, concern and and trying to help their dog. But um, I, I remember the one main one that comes to my head was a dog who didn't like other dogs but also had severe separation anxiety. Yeah. And so they got a second dog. Um, they didn't get me in they until... They actually went and did it. They went and did it? Yeah. Uh, they didn't get me in until ten years later. Ten years? Ten years later, uh, dogs hated each other. They basically just managed the space. Ten
0: years.
1: Um, so the dogs had learned to avoid one another. Right. Throughout that period of time, but... They were planning on having a baby um, and they were worried about the times that when the dogs did fight. And the the dogs did resource guard different areas of the house, so the couch, um, exit zones, the caregiver's bed. um, From each other? From each other. Mm. And the separation anxiety was still there. (laughs) So... Um Damn. and it had been suggested to them that getting another dog would be a good idea um and it wasn't
0: I um I'm just curious as to who might have given that advice.
1: that was general public people right. at the park yeah, yeah the it wasn't, wasn't a trainer's uh suggestion they'd just been talking to people at the park and you know everyone. Everyone has their opinions on different things and we're all entitled to them. Yeah. Um, and these people were particularly desperate because this dog could not be alone at all. Yeah. And they ran a business, so they would take the dog to their business, but there are times where they couldn't and obviously they wanted to have a form of a life, so how they managed that over the 10 years, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the situation didn't change. In that didn't, check, didn't help
0: the separation zone, so. no, and we'll, do, we'll stay on that point, right? Around the separation, because it is that is the more common one that I see as well. And I think people are probably coming from the point of view of, well, obviously, if it's separation, all he needs is company, mm. but there's so many different reasons why the dog before we think oh we should get another dog there's a few, reasons, a few things I think we should be doing like really looking at like what is going on with that dog that's feeling the separation issues in the first place mm. because it could be companionship but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's companionship in general mm. it could be so there's a few different types when it comes to separation issues etc Is it separation uh, in general, like, I just need some company, and then that probably would work, right? Getting another dog would probably work. Um, Or is it from people in general? Mm. Because then certainly, like, getting another dog wouldn't work Mm. because it's not missing other dogs. It doesn't take the same level of comfort as people in general. And then just to add another layer into it, it could be a specific person. So even if there's people present, it could still display uh, separation issues and mm. discomfort. Um, so really finding out like what, why that dog is feeling that way around being left alone. It might not even. I mean, it's, I mean this is a complete subtopic, but it could just. But it's not even separation. It could be confinement anxiety.
1: <laughs> so, there are so many different facets yeah. that we have to look at when we're looking at, at separation, and you know, whether it's separation distress, separation anxiety, confinement issues. Um, yeah, there's a whole barrel of stuff that can be looked at. But I think the misunderstanding, as you said, of getting, you know, another dog to fix yeah. a problem ignores the problem. And even if, so I have had clients who have got another dog to uh, work with the separation anxiety, and it has helped the other dog because mm. they were happy to have another friend, but it's a Band-Aid. Because, and I, my brain straight, goes straight to, well, what if you have to take the other dog to the groomer? What if you have to take the other dog to the vet? What if, God forbid, something happens to the other dog? You're not working with the separation anxiety
0: itself. The issue of why it's, yeah, yeah. One of the main things that I work with with uh, separation issues is trying to build uh, a repertoire of skills that the dog can lean on as coping skills in moments of stress. Mm. And so it's why I'll never push a dog away from the person. I'll never try to increase... The distance between the dog and the person when doing se- working with separation because that will only co- cause more stress on the on the animal. Mm. Um, but if my dog can practice self soothing in different ways, so maybe find out does it like shredding, does it like chewing, does it like suckling? does it take comfort from whatever it might be that's uh, independent of the caregiver mm. and. Also, can be accessible when the caregiver's not there. Mm. Because essentially, right, if that dog does go through a moment of stress when the caregiver's not home, well, it's going to need a coping skill. Mm. And that's where building up the behavioral repertoire of that animal, what, what else can it do? Mm. And if, it can, if it's got one and it's the caregiver, or re- and even if it's just not, even if it's not just the caregiver, if it's just a very narrow dog, with a very small repertoire of behaviors there's a good chance that at some point that dog might break because access to that comfort behavior isn't available and so it's going to get stressed
1: mm. well i think it's yeah it's looking at does the dog have the ability or does has the dog built the ability to do things on their own that make them feel good yeah that make them feel safe that give them some dopamine or some oxytocin that's not based around the human. Yep. Because sometimes I think these issues with separation start from not necessarily a dog with anxiety, Mm. but a dependence on the human that is created early on in the relationship where the dog basically learns that everything fun safe feeling good access to high resources is through the human and
0: no and and it's not about that the human shouldn't have that but it's the fact that that's the the dog can perceive it as that's the only way yeah. to get it yeah, So yeah. it's not like you know our dogs are all whether we like it or not they're always going to be dependent on us mm. but what we don't want is over dependence on us
1: yeah, I mean, well, dogs. Yeah, it does. I mean, dogs are dependent on them because we, we put them in that situation because they have to be. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's not that you know if I left the fridge and all the cupboards open and the, and the back door open, Archie would have a ball. Yeah, but
0: only for a few hours.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then all the food's gone. <laughs> this is true. He wouldn't <laughs> ration himself by any means. No. But we've created this situation with our dogs that you know if you look at. Wild dogs or stray dogs around the world—they they cope very well. Yeah. In situations, you know, they have learned to navigate their environments to get what they need, resources, and outside of it's
0: independently. Of independent of, human of
1: humans. Now. A lot of stray dogs you will see they will go to restaurants and garbage bins and all that sort of stuff but I mean that's how dogs ended up in, in the first place. But they
0: wouldn't starve if the, if the fella didn't um, say the fella every night comes out and throws some scraps and that's what they've learned to do predict the pattern come in get the scraps they still have that behavioural uh, repertoire of behaviours that say one night he didn't say mm. say Sundays it was closed Yeah, not eat on Sundays no <laughs> so, and that's where that over-dependence comes from that or can come from and going back to your point around the just by getting the other dog you potentially just displace the issue into the other dog and then it could still create a real brittle kind of dog in terms of it. as soon as that dog's not available then Mm -hmm. it starts to freak out as well
1: well then and there's the other problem depending on the other dog yeah so if you get another dog um, to fix a problem, whether it be separation or, you know, a reactivity towards people or other dogs or whatever. If, what's to say that that dog then doesn't learn that behaviour? If that dog, yeah. if, if you're not then putting the work into that dog or, you yeah. know, if you don't have that bomb-proof dog that comes in and goes, yep, I'm good, right. then you've got two dogs with... So, let's take
0: the ones that I've heard about which are, and worked with, which are the dogs that have been, there's, the family already have the dog, it's reactive and aggressive uh, in, in certain situations to other dogs, let's say, um, and they're like, we're going to get a second dog in. Like you just said, like, there's, I, I do think there's probably a perception of, like, if I get this dog used to this dog, then it might like others. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, it, I say this all the time, but building the relationship between what, two individual dogs is so different than asking, uh, working on a dog that, hey, just don't react to random dogs on the street that, might, that you don't know when they're going to be encountered. Um, and if you did bring that second dog in, and this is something where I've actually had a conversation with somebody whose dog was reactive, But not not massively, you know, it was able to form relationships with dogs if socialised appropriately, if Mm. introduced well. And what we ended up, a couple of times now, what I have said is, I actually think this dog's quality of life could improve if if you've got a second dog under these conditions. But bear in mind, when you do bring this other dog in, you're going to have to kind of commit to a lifestyle where you probably just don't expose this dog to the rest of the world. Because he hates it. Mm. And his quality of life will go up considerably if he just has a mate to knock around with all day or, you know, and a buddy. But don't go and ask that dog to then go out and then... Because it'd be even harder to do that with two. Mm. It'd be so much harder to take that already reactive dog out with a buddy and then all of a sudden, you've got the danger of the new dog learning all the reactivity behaviour, but also your handling skills are going to be really tested with two dogs, even if one is calm, and your old dog's losing his mind. So there's all these factors to consider. And I have, But I have seen it successfully a couple of times, like, do you know what, if you actually just committed and went, you don't need to take this dog on leash walks around the area, you, don't, you can avoid dog parks, you've got a bit of a yard, and... You can actually live, live a really easy life mm. by just letting these two run around with each other. Mm. And they've gone, oh, that's much better than dog training, mate. Because half these people, like most of these people, are, well, all of these people are not dog trainers. Mm. They're just your average, yo, that are just really trying to have a nice life and they want their dogs to be happy. Mm. So sometimes the solution for me hasn't been in training. It's just like, go with live a lazy life.
1: Well, this, this is a thing, and I had this conversation with a client the other day that, you know, her dog really struggles with the outside world. She's fine if she pops her in the car and takes her to a park where there's not, you know, lots of people and, and lots of dogs. And walking outside of her house, this dog was, um, you know, working from working lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she struggles with people, cars, motorbikes, buses, trucks, dogs, bicycles, scooters, just everything in life. And when I'd explained to her after she'd seen three other trainers who had said, "No, you've got to do this, this and this, and after I'd met her and I said, are you okay just popping her in the car and taking her? She's fine when she's got her space, she can make the decision, she can do what she needs to do. She goes, oh my God, yeah. Is that okay? Like am yeah. not I just avoiding the situation? I said, well, you know, think about it. You have and this is a caregiver who I know has put the work in. Yeah. She, not someone who has just gone from one trainer to the to another and you know it's not what hasn't worked in the first couple of days, she's given up. Yeah. Like, this girl is just on. She should be a trainer herself. Yeah. Um but the dog that she has and where she lives it's just not going to work. Yeah. Because the predictions this dog already has when she leaves the house are too high. Um, and just the videos that I've got from her in the last four days and the the difference in the dog and how much better she's actually coping with different things. You know, she'll be in the park and she'll see, like, a bicycle go by and she'll stop, she'll look and go, yep, I'm good, cool, and move away. nice. <laughs> but there is this perception of, you know, going back to the whole Band-Aid or avoiding the situation, it's what you said was what is the quality of life for both the dog and the caregiver? Yeah. If you are going to have to spend every waking moment or every interaction that you have with your dog trying to train something that at the end of the day may never change because of the environment, but there is a way that you can allow your dog to have a good quality of life and welfare and enjoy being alive and the relationship between the dog and the caregiver is still there and both of them can go to sleep at night and actually sleep rather than going, oh, my God, what yeah. do I have to do tomorrow? That's not avoidance.
0: No, it's not being, and, and you know, I think four street trains sometimes get, uh, get called, you know, a bit soft and all that, but honestly, for me, it's just about looking at the individual situation and just respecting the individual situation for what it actually is like the whole you should and that just shits me because like there's no right way to own a dog right you've got people on farms that never come in contact with anyone else mm-hmm. you've got dogs on streets that are per- like there's a problem in the uk where people are rehoming dogs in the uk from romanian streets yeah and the quality of life of these dogs is going down in the home because that's not what they find reinforcing. But, sorry, and then there's, on the other end of the spectrum, there's a little old lady who never leaves the house, dog probably doesn't see the light like of day, and both of them are happy as a pig and shit. And nobody should be judging any of them because the circumstances are simply different.
1: And I think something that um, this particular caregiver with this dog said, um, and I loved how she said that, and it's, and it's really so simple, and we've said it in, in other ways, but she said, you know, I put a baby gate up so, you know, she doesn't go into certain rooms because she lives in a share house and, you know, her housemates don't want them want her in their rooms. So yeah. she goes, I'll just put a baby gate up. She said, well, it's no different. You know, no. It's managing her in a way so she doesn't have to go, okay, well, I've got to train you not to go up the stairs and I've got to train you not to go in that room and I've got to train you not to go in that room. Or similar to us, if you don't like spiders, you don't get one. If you don't like sharks, you don't <laughs> yeah, go yeah, diving yeah, manage
0: your environment yeah. so you succeed.
1: So this whole thing of, you know, we have to train the dog for every single situation. Now, that yes, certain situations, but you have to look at the dog in front of you and the reality of what their day-to-day and your day-to-day is going to be, and go, is this dog able to do this? And if they aren't, because people, when people say, oh, you know, you can train any dog to do absolutely anything...
0: <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. They can't. That's, that's just wrong.
1: Django's not going to do your ironing. No he's like, also not going to jump on the toilet and flush it. Django isn't even going to play tug he's got no teeth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, this whole... As much as we would like to think that we can train anything to any dog, then every single Labrador that goes through guide dogs will pass. But they don't. Yeah, that's
0: it. Because yeah. they're pretty good at what they do.
1: They are. And or <laughs> any of those working, those types of dogs, you guide dogs, you scent dogs, they don't all pass. So if it was well, you can train any dog, any dog to do anything. Then why is it that not every dog is going to be a military dog, a police dog, a, a gun dog, or a guard dog?
0: Yeah, Isn't that like, the same deal goes with the caregiver. You know, like look at looking at the realities of people's situations really matters. Like I I work with dogs every single day, and do you know how. My dogs aren't trained.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, my, the reality of my life is one, I enjoy training dogs, but not particularly when I get home. No, I just don't. And mm. I was saying this the other day to somebody, you know, I've had big bloody blocky dogs and they've been amazing in the past. And I worked my ass off to make sure that they walked well on leave, that they were socially appropriate and I took them out a lot more than uh, I take these guys out I put them in much more situations so I had higher expectations of behaviour of those dogs at that point in my life not just because they were bigger because I would literally put them in different situations whereas these days I've got these two fellas and my life the way I really enjoy spending time with dogs, my own dogs at this period of time in my life is to sit on the sofa Mm. and enjoy them and to walk around my local park with nobody else there, and they just just sniffing, and if they encounter a dog, I know that I'm comfortable enough to let them engage and disengage. Beyond that, at this point in my life,
1: if you ask me to train them,
0: I'd say no. And, that,
1: and that's, well, that's it, like I have, I have an Arch, and he's perfect for me. Mm. He's not a high energy dog, He's not a demanding dog. He's similar thing. He likes to go to the park and sniff. Or he's happy to just go to a new place and sniff. I could not have a working dog. I love working dogs, but I personally don't want a working dog because I, like you, am around working with dogs all day. When I get home, I just want to hang out with Arch on the couch. Yes. Go for a really quiet walk around the street. And I think
0: we've got to remember, like, there's so many times when
1: was it? This, this approach is so liberating. Yes, it, yeah, I'm glad
0: to hear it. <laughs> the, um, I think people, you see it in, online and that, and somebody will comment. I saw one recently. Okay. I've completely gone off topic of shouldn't, should we, shouldn't we get a second dog, but I don't care. There was a video of a fella on the side of the road with his board collie. Um, training it off leash not to cross the curb, mm. and the amount of like the first comment, thankfully, the top comment was just leash your dog if you're on the sidewalk. Mm. But the pushback I was watching when people just go, Oh, or you could just not be lazy and you could train your dog that just blew my mind like the level of stupid there. Like, it, what it's a legal requirement for <laughs> one, <while> I'm not, <laughs> but two why even if you would okay let's say you wanted to work on your dog Mm. not crossing the road you still practice
1: it on leash yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i think that also comes down to this um i think consistent you must be able to you not be able you must control your dog yeah if your dog doesn't do it, therefore it doesn't respect you. So we're not going to go <laughs> off into that tension. No,
0: no. I was more popped out the fact that he used the term that you're lazy if you don't train. Like, that's just not accurate. But no,
1: because, look, as you said before, when we get dogs, really what we need to be concentrating on is building a relationship based on trust, understanding, and then... Guiding them and giving information of the things that are going to keep them safe, that are going to build their confidence as an individual, as well as basic things like you know recall. But if it doesn't have a good recall, use a long lead. It's not a bad thing. And not eating or killing people and other animals. Like for me, that that's it. But for me, what or. When it comes to having a dog, it's not about controlling it. Nah. It's not about having to train it. What I want to see is the dog is confident, happy, and able to guide through day-to-day life and be able to recover from stresses in life. The stress because is going to happen. Stress happens. It happens to all of us. But have that ability within themselves to recover Yeah. and also have that relationship with the human and the human understand that when they're not okay, what to then do with that. For me, that is really what we need to understand when we have dogs, it's not controlling them, it's not having to train them to do 50 million things. If you want to do that, knock yourself out. Please do.
0: Good on you. Like, you obviously, I mean, we have to uh, appreciate that everybody's life is uh, different and the expectations are different. My, My dogs are not trained to walk near roads. But I don't live near any busy roads. They don't pull on the leash, and if I, but they're always going to be on a leash on the road. Mm. So I don't need to sort of train them to stop at a curb because there's no way that they're going to find themselves in a position where they've been set up to fail by me, but they're off leash near a curb. Mm. There's just not. There's just not. And if I'm I, I'm just conscious enough to look around and assess the situation, and if I think there's a danger that he's going to go over there with if his lead's off, guess what doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> right, <laughs> the lead doesn't come off. Yeah. So, right. Anyway, we completely digressed from getting a second dog to fix other. That's okay. But as a rule of thumb, mm. before to cut, just, just, just bloody recap it. Why not? Don't get another dog without really looking at what is causing the other dog's behaviour. And if you do, be smart with compatibility. And I'm not diving into that now; it's no. too long. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs so you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.